With At The Cross, as our breakfast show begins with the first clue for the quiz. What do you got for us, Mon? Mm, let me have a little thinky-winky. I think we've done this one before. Let me have a different one. Mm, do you want to do a what book am I or do you want to do a what number am I? Or a what city am I? City. Okay, was, go, go with city. I knew when I saw the word city yes. that you would pick city, Mr. Geography over there. Okay, let me tell you first of all about today's prize. I've picked out a pretty, um, I want to say, unusual prize. Usually our prizes have, um, well, anyway, you'll see what this is. So it's a book, right? And mm. it's called Loose That Man and Let Him Go. <laughs> okay. Look, a confusion crosses his mind. Loose That Man and Let Two Him Day Go. Jokes. I've, heard that, I've heard of that author before. Yeah, he writes a book, uh, um, uh, God's Leading Lady and Loose That Woman as well. And it's about uh, you know the emanci- emancipation of women, but this one is um, about the emancipation of men. Yeah, I guess so. It, cool. Oh, oh, I'll tell you what it says on the back. TD Jakes has an urgent message for every man today. Never in the history of church has there been a time when God has so urgently stirred the hearts of men to become all He created them to be and to com- accomplish all He created them to accomplish. 
uh, a time when men, uh, believers and unbelievers have been so confused about who they are and what their purpose is. This book holds a powerful work of healing, of restoring of man to his God-given masculinity, strength, and purpose. Every word pierces the heart and ignites the fires of manhood. As you read, you will feel the gentle yet firm hand of Jesus taking hold of the limitations, bondages, and strongholds that have compromised your grave clothes and locked you in a tomb of unfulfilled desires and frustrated dreams. Like Lazarus, you are now commanded to come forth into the light of all God has planned for you from the foundation of the world. And when you do, you will thrill at the words of your Savior and Lord as he cries, Loose that man and let him go, which is actually a quote from the Bible. So this book, um, yeah, exactly about that, about men finding their purpose as men, um, and on this sort of gender blending stuff, you know, this is very much, you know, uh, men have a purpose, women have a purpose, and this book addresses that. So it's a, this is a big book too, it's not like it is, a that's little, decent. it's not a little well, read. I'm interested in that one. Um, it actually, it's a best-selling book, and it also, this is a particularly excellent um, edition because it it has the workbook in one single volume. So it has the book in the front, as you can see, I'm flicking through the pages for Lyle, and then in the back it has the workbook pages, mm-hmm. um, which is really great because, you know, a book that comes with a workbook so you can really learn it is got to be a good book. I mean, well, you know, not necessarily, but in my book that's pretty great. So if you'd like a copy of T.D. Jake's uh, Loose That Man and Let Him Go, all you've got to do is tell me the answer to this morning's quiz, which is indeed a What City Am I quiz. So, oh, do you know what? Let me just quickly scan through these and see if I can make it a bit harder. No, no, no. Mm-mm. Scanning, scanning, scanning. Mm-mm. Okay, come on. No. Just, just start okay. from the top. Just okay. start from the top. Okay. Come on. Clue number one. She's just, she just doesn't want me to get it on the first clue. I, re- I really don't. I really don't. I really, okay, okay, okay. What city am I? After leaving Athens, Paul went to this city and stayed a year and a half. All right. And Lyle has it correct. He's oh, writing down the right that answer. One is a, sim- a little, a simple little bit of Greek geography, and it was like, if I was in Athens, where would I go? Answer right there. One eight hundred three two four eight four three. Have you been to Greece? Do you know the answer? Where would you have gone? What would be the logical next destination after Athens? Particularly if you had uh, come to Greece via Macedonia. Have you been to Greece? Yes. Oh, okay, cool. Yes. Did you um, go to this place? Uh-huh. Yeah, me too. That's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. It's some awesome ruins right there. Anyway, what have we got for positively different news this morning, I'm Mon? I'm posting that to our Instagram, by the way. So if you want to check out the, uh, the clue again, and if you want to have a look at the actual prize prize, jump on our Instagram, Faith FM Live, lowercase one word. Okay, I have got some really, 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 really cool news for you, Lyle. Okay. Oh, Bring it on. I super want this. It's still in prototype, but I cannot wait for this to hit the shelves because I'm going to be lining up to buy it. You're going to camp outside the shop. You know it. You know it. Get my little swag and tent outside. Okay, get this right. So you know how much I love plants, right? Yes. But you also know how much I kill them. Yes. <laughs> like I literally am a person who's managed to kill several cactuses in my plant. <laughs> how life. do you kill a cactus? I know. How, how do you kill a cactus? Did, I had it. I don't, did I don't you water understand. it? I mean, yeah. We had a cactus at home and it was sitting on the front porch and it did terrible. And yeah. I thought it was dead. Uh-huh. 
and I put it in my workshop mm-hmm. and it sat in the corner of my workshop. It loves my workshop. The sun never go, shines in there. It's always dark and it is, and has never been touched. It's never been watered, never gets an ounce of moisture whatsoever at all. It's sitting in like zero dirt and it's just so healthy happy? and green and so happy. I don't understand. I don't it's understand. Weird. Do you know the last time I, I purchased a plant, I was, I had a friend who actually owned a lavender farm. And so I said to my friend, I said, Anne-Marie, you got to help me out. Like, I want to I want to buy some lavender. Can you help me out with, like, you know, telling me how to take care of it? Because I'm, I'm a really a plant killer. And she's like, I have a special species just for you. And she brought, she brought me this, um, this pot of lavender. And she said, this, just treat it like you treat your ex-boyfriend. Like, just ignore it completely. Just shove it in the corner. Don't ever talk to it. Don't do nothing to it. Just leave it alone. And I'm like, sounds like my kind of plant. Five weeks later, that thing was dead. <laughs> I, I, I can't keep them alive. Anyway, so but speaking of you moving your plant to the workshop, this is so cool. They have invented a robot caregiver that can move your plant around the house so they can get proper amount of sunlight. Oh, okay. Isn't that cool? I mean, the only thing I want to say against this is it does look like a giant spider. That makes it even cooler. Well, I mean, for some people, for me, it's a bit creepy because it actually walks around. So, like a spider. Yeah, it's got six legs though, so not eight. So, just imagine everyone a large spider. I want to say maybe like five hundred millimeters across, like forty centimeters. <sighs> I want to say uh, across, and then it has little legs she that poke do down. She had to go there. You need to get over your 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 aversion to centimeters. They're not the end of it. They're not mushrooms, okay? Centimeters they are, are mushrooms. They serve no down. purpose whatever. So it's called a hexa plant, and it's a six-legged. I guarantee there is not a single solitary tradie just, out there who knows what a centimetre is. Well, then they're all morons. Uh, anyway. If you're a trader today, give me a call. Give me some backup here. Does anybody use centimetres I bet that trade? we can go over to Bunnings right now and find a bunch of stuff that's for sale that uses centimetres. Of course there is Bunnings. There you go. Bunnings is not... Any 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 hardware shop. Anyway, back to the story, Lyle. Um, so it's a... I mean, some people might think it's a cute little contraption, but it's a six-legged robot... And on top, like its head kind of a thing, like where the spider's body would be, you sit your pot plant, right? And then it has light and heat sensors. And you actually can you can actually program it. So if it's a plant that, you know, needs more direct sunlight or if it's a plant that prefers uh, shade, you can program that into the robot. And then using its light and heat sensors, the robot has the ability to carry its plant in and out of the daylight now, according wait, 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 to the wait, plant's wait, wait, wait. exposure. This, this particular robot you have to have one robot per pot plant so how many robots are you going to have in your house well at the, like I've, I've recently sold all my plants apart from two okay so you just need two spiders yeah in your and house. one of them has just died so i only really have two one. robotic spiders <laughs> oh i thought you took it to the doctor yeah it still died didn't. it was beyond being safe i really did a bad job of it <laughs> Anyway, so I have one plant, and the plant is still the doctor. But yeah, I I would love to. I, maybe that's why I need to start. Just start with one. Just get that thing going. Anyway, and the cute thing is, so it's called the hexa plant, like I said. So hexa plant crawls around the house, you know, uh, sunlight, shade, depending on what the what the plant needs. But it also does a little dance when it senses the plant needs to be watered. It does like a little witch, 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 and its legs like flail around. It's actually pretty cute. Um, so this was developed. So does it have a uh, moisture content sensor in the soil? I guess so. I guess so. I guess when you sit it on there, maybe it likes, I don't know. I don't know how the tech works, but I'm really happy about it. This would make me so happy. I would love to, um, I'd love to know if this actually like works. I know they're still in prototypes, but I'd love to see the, you know, plants that are being moved around by humans and plants that are moved by, by robots. I mean, I think, I think this is a future anyway, because if you think about it, we all thought that getting a Roomba and having an automatic uh, vacuum cleaner was never going to work. And yet here they are doing a better job than when we do it ourselves. So why not with the plants? 
keep yeah. the plants alive. Ah, right. I, I really hope they actually find one. Definitely I mean, got the cool factor. I hope they create one that actually waters the plant too because I tend to overlove my plants. That's the main problem is I drown them. One other really cool quick story, Lyle. Yesterday we were talking about those kids in India who went to school um, based on uh, being able to pay their fees by collecting rubbish. Oh, please, somebody in Australia who is listening, please, please, please recreate this in Australia. In Europe, it started up in Denmark, uh, a company called Green Kayak, it's an environmental non-for-profit, a non-profit um, organization, started up this, this, this service where you can hire a kayak for two hours for free, provided you pick up floating garbage and trash along the way. So you know how like in, a, in, a, in Europe they have lots of canals, like especially like in the Netherlands? Um, so you can like just chuck along the chuck along the canals. I would so do that. Yeah, yeah. If I was traveling, I would so do Absolutely. that. I would do that on a heartbeat and be would... like, yes. Because yeah. when you're traveling, you spend money like water uh-huh. on everything. Yep. And, and it's I like, love kayaking, and yeah, this, yeah, yeah. this is sort of like environmentally friendly traveling. It's like people people are really into eco travel at the moment, as in like giving back to the planet when they go traveling. So you got a garbage bin on the back of it or something. So what they do is, you know, they usually they give you the usual stuff, like they give you the kayak, they give you a paddle, they give you a life vest, and then they also give you a trash picker and a bucket. Two hours, and this so this launched in 2017, and since 2017, over 10,000 people have collected 24,000. Tons of trash. No 24,000 tons insane. of trash. This is happening uh, in Ireland, Norway, Denmark, and Germany. And uh, uh, please, someone create this in Australia. I'd be so, I'd be like, I love kayaking. I'd be delighted. The only problem in Australia trash. is you might not find enough trash to make it worthwhile. I don't know. I don't know. I reckon we can get out there and find some junk. I reckon we could. We should give it a crack. Anyway. This is a really great song. It is called uh, Jane Levy, My Father's World. I absolutely love this track. Um, give it a listen. This is my father's world to my listening ears All nature sings And round me rings The music of the spheres This is my father's world I rest me Satisfied. 
Jaden Levick with My Father's World while Beautiful a debate song. begins to no, rage no, in the Lyle. office. One no. that I have already won. No, look, I've switched off his microphone. No one can hear Lyle anymore. You can't even hear him. He's cracked. Just, just, yeah, no. Nah, nah, carry, carrying on, carrying on about his stupid little centimeter issue. Back on again. No, who turned his <laughs> microphone back on? <laughs> so we have this. We have producer this thing called the producer. Oh, unbelievable. Somebody somebody is arguing that centimetres are used for height, and that's because centimetres no, are used no, in the this, this whole dressmaker dress nonsense yeah, of right. yours is uh-huh, such a it's uh-huh. such a bogus argument. Uh-huh. Can someone please go and do some history Come on. research? Find me a trade that uses millimetres. We're not talking about trade. Nobody uses millimetres. Everybody, exactly. Nobody uses no, millimetres. Yeah, uses you've just stated the truth, Lyle. Let's get on with the show. From mom. your subconscious truth speech. I want to talk about a real story yeah, here. You're the one who brought the centimetres up. I had to switch your microphone off from Remember? <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Here we go, here we go. I am the winner. What city am I? Clue number two. When the Jews were opposed, Paul... Wait, hang on. Sorry, I read that wrong. Let me start that again. When the Jews here opposed Paul's preaching, he left the synagogue and went to the house of Titus Justus. So the Jews in this city were opposed to Paul's preaching, in other words. I should That's go on with that one first. That one's a more obscure one. Uh, would you have gotten it on that? Hmm... Um, I would have had good good crack at it from that okay. one. I probably would have done. I would have had been, yeah, I probably would have guessed. Give it us right. a call one eight hundred Faith FM one eight hundred three two four eight four three, and you will win a copy of Titty Jake's Loose That Man and Let Him Go. Okay, so the defence team for Cardinal Pell has announced that he will not be appealing his sentence uh, if his current appeal fails. So he's due back in court next month to appeal his conviction. It's the difference, obviously, between appealing a conviction and convealing a sentence. And uh, he's announced that if the uh, the conviction is upheld, which it most likely will be, then he won't be appealing his sentence. Of course, Cardinal Pell, third highest uh, Vatican official in the world, uh, third down from the Pope, um, is serving time for raping a 13-year-old boy, amongst other fences, offences. He has been imprisoned for six years, and being that he is 78 years old and in poor health, it is unlikely that he will ever see the light of day again. And I don't know that there's got to, going to be a f- very many people who are going to shed a tear over yeah. a rapist and a pedophile not seeing the light of day again. Can I just ask... So when you say he's 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 fighting against his conviction, does that mean he thinks he's innocent? Well, he's hoping that he's found innocent. Put it that way. And he, so I thought he was sentenced to like six months of Netflix. No, that was the guy here in Newcastle. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, so yeah. I get them confused. There's so many yep. of them, isn't there? There is. In Michigan, um, five priests have just been um, arrested uh, from. from uh, they were serving in Detroit, Lansing, and Kalamazoo as part of uh, the Attorney General's um, investigation into uh, child sex abuse in the Roman Catholic Church in the state of Michigan. Uh, They were, of course, in Arizona, California, Florida, Michigan, and one of them that had fled to India. 
and is trying to now escape extradition to the United States to um, face charges, victims from as young as five years old. Oh, no. This is really, really horrific. And this is something that I was looking into in a little bit more depth. Um, So the State Attorney General is uh, investigating this and has stated that this is just the tip of the iceberg, iceberg so far from the amount of information that they have gathered they have only been able to investigate 10% of that information and the vast majority of the people are either past the statute of limitations or are dead, people that they would like to prosecute. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, they're prosecuting five, but there is just a mass of others out there that they can't prosecute. prosecute. And this is part of the problem. The average time period it takes for a victim of child sex abuse to come forward... And, um, and, and, and talk about it is 24 years. That's the average time period because it is so traumatic that children just bury this. They never want to go there again. They will never want to think about it again. They just want to move on. Um, and they just don't want to go back there. Yeah. And 24 years is the average time it, it takes to come forward. Um, and of course, you know, statute of limitations in the state of Michigan is 10 years. Oh, that's just. So you can't bring anything forward after. 10 years. How do you feel about statute of limitations? So you are 28 years old. You get anywhere past 28 years old, then it's you, you can't oh. bring anything You can't bring anything, bring anything I, I, forward. I mean, I believe they should remove the statute of limitations. Oh, absolutely. Because for for offences like this, absolutely. For minor offences, yeah, if you if you know, a minor, if, if, if your neighbour has trespassed on your property and you don't take it to court for the next couple of years, forget it. Yeah. It's obviously not a big enough deal yeah. for you to worry about. But stuff like, I mean, God doesn't operate with a statute of limitations. No, not at all. Not at all. I, I think the statute of limitations for heinous crimes is uh, is, a, is a, just a really terrible, terrible yeah, idea. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there are a number of states that have no statutes of limitations, but there are some states, and it's interesting to, um, to actually read through it, the longest one I could find was New Hampshire at 22 years. So mm-hmm. that comes two years short, short. of the average mm-hmm. time period it takes for... Um, victims of there child needs sex to be abuse a push to come forward. To remove any and of course, in New of York, the statute of limitations for sex abuse is six years. That's nothing. Yeah. That's nothing. Yeah. That person hasn't even come You know, and the argument behind it is like, okay, you got raped, but you didn't come forward for all this time. You know, what's your problem? Oh, you know, it's obviously it's a wasn't. Disgraceful thing obviously to say to someone. But, but they're not taking into account what children go through and how children respond to this kind of abuse. If, if as you just read out, the five-year-old was being molested, in six years' time, he's only going to be 11. He's still, he probably wouldn't even understand yeah. what has happened to him at that age. Yeah. It's just disgraceful. I think the statute of limitations should be lifted on this kind of crime. There's been no – he can come forward at any time. And I think um, Cardinal Pell should definitely stay in prison. It's also interesting that the the, uh, the five priests that have been arrested were between the ages of 69 and 84, oh. which means that they were molesting – the 84-year-old was mm. molesting children, you know, at the very latest at the age of 74. So, you know, you think of the potential that there is because we know from research that when a person gets a conviction on one case, there is an average of like 250 other cases that they can't get a conviction on because it's almost impossible to get a conviction on a rape case. Because it comes down to so much he said, she said. It always makes you just want to lock them all up and say, do you know what? You can come out when you've proven you're innocent. Yeah, well, that would actually be a really bad idea, but I understand the emotion behind that. Yeah. 
Well, the kids uh, of the world again, would be a safer place. Once again, this is something that the Catholic Church needs to address this because, you know, in 2002, the Michigan Church um, instituted a zero tolerance on priests who were guilty of child sex offences. Of, of Sorry, of sex offences. Oh. And I'm thinking, how does it take in 2,000 years for them to come up to 2002 to come up with this idea mm-hmm. that like, oh, we should have a zero a zero uh, tolerance policy, and but even since then they have uh, they've come up with numerous records of priests who have been transferred, um, and this is obviously with you know for offences against adults, and um, and paying hush money to victims since two thousand and two, and this is this is what's being exposed in this particular uh, state attorney general's investigation in the state of Michigan. Every state around the world needs to needs to do these investigations. They need to go hardcore on them as well. They need <laughs> we to be do. It out. We do. We need to give our children the highest level of protection oh. across all churches and all churches are places that are, you know, I understand the vulnerability of churches, but we need to uh, we need, but of course, whatever you've got celibacy and whatever you've got the confessional box, you are going to be fighting this issue. This is something that Pope Francis needs to act on. He needs to abolish the confessional. He needs to abolish um, the uh, celibacy of the priest. Neither of these issues are biblical. Both of them are a bad idea. He and needs they're to creating a breeding ground for this kind of um, crime. One more story very quickly. Christian Frenzel from the Barossa Valley is part of a very small group of very elite tradesmen. In fact, it only the uh, he's a uh, he's a stonemason. Plenty of them around. He's a stonemason sculptor. Plenty of them around. He's a cathedral mason. The Cathedral Ooh. Master Builders Association um, only has one hundred and sixty members. Ooh, yes. And he has offered his services to Notre Dame for free. Of course, he has. That's yes. really, really, really cool. Yes. Have you seen all the different submissions? And of course, that are he lives in uh, he lives in in uh, South Australia, and uh, he proposes that the work would be done there. But it's interesting how they um, how they perform this work to make a gargoyle. Um, he's quoting about a month's work, but when it comes to tracery windows with flowers that have to be millimeter perfect, etc., then it gets a whole lot more difficult than that. Yeah, those centimeter perfect flowers, I can just imagine. Um, but have you seen all the different submissions that are coming in for the rebuilding of the cathedral? I've been seeing a heap of them. Yeah, because they've opened up a competition anyone can submit, and some of the stuff that's coming in is, is really quite astounding. He was actually on the phone to other cathedral master stonemasons. Um, while the uh, cathedral was burning, and as he's talking on the phone with them, um, they didn't even know what was going on. He was onto it that quickly. It's just like bang, and he's on it. Wow. Anyway, this is Travis Cottrell. What a beautiful name. You were the word at the beginning, one with God, the Lord most high. Your hidden glory in creation, and now revealed in you are Christ. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is, and nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Yeah. 
Beautiful name it is, the name of. 
Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8, or 88 right across Australia. And joining us in the studio tent at Big Camp to record this interview is Liz Brandstart. Liz, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Now, Liz, we wanted to hear about your story today, your journey of faith, where you've come from, um, what God has done in your life. And so, yeah, why don't we start uh, at the beginning? What kind of a whereabouts did you, whereabouts did you grow up? Okay, well, first of all, I grew Grew up in a pretty affluent suburb in Sydney, Lane Cove. Oh wow! Yeah, okay, that's yeah. that's a, that's a nice place. Beautiful, beautiful, very leafy where I was. So I grew up in a home um, non non Christian family. My mm-hmm. father called himself a, a, an atheist Catholic, and my mother was um, in the High Church of England. So she did attend attend church regularly from time to time, but mainly, you know, the festivals like Easter, Christmas. Yeah, I was going to say regularly from time to time. So regularly at Christmas and Easter. Regularly at Christmas and Easter, yes. Okay, I got that. That makes sense. And um, going to school and that kind of thing, did you have like religious instruction? Did your parents, did your mum who went to church tell you about religion? Um, yeah, look, I, I had a, a Bible as a child, but it's interesting how I actually acquired that Bible. When I was in grade six, I wasn't um, necessarily an academic child, but this opportunity came to actually win something. And to win this Bible, I had to be able to recite all the books of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. The, re- the local reverend came once a week and took scripture classes. So I, this is one thing that I always look back on in my life and think, if I could do that, imagine you know what else I can do. This is what I think now about sure, that. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I took the challenge on and I, I learned all the books from in the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, on my own. I did it completely on my own. I didn't have help from anybody, my parents, my friends. And it came to the day when we had to stand up and recite them in our scripture class, and I was the only one that came forward. You sound like one of these kids that was um, kind of super motivated, that kind of, you, were you that kind of person when there was a challenge thrown out? You are like, yes, I'm going to do this? Um, not was always. It just, was it just in this in this? particular case. It was just in this case. Well done. Congratulations. Yeah. All those years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. It was it was amazing. So I did win that and I won a revised standard version Bible, which I absolutely cherished. So that was my first I believed in God though. I always believed in God and not because of what necessarily my mother had shown me in going to Sunday school on those couple of occasions a year but I had some dark days as a young child. Okay tell us about those. Well I'll be frank I was sexually abused by my uncle and as a very young child when you're only five six and you think your life is about to come to an end who do you call out to? Mm. So from my very inner soul I called out to God. That's really really horrific and I appreciate the fact that you're willing to share that with us on air today because this is such a massive problem in our world right now. And there are, I know that we have many listeners right now that can relate to exactly what you went through. Absolutely. You called out to God. How did God get you through that experience? I believe as a child, he just allowed me to meet people along the way that could um, uplift and encourage me. I... I had some beautiful, stable friends at school, which I believe he brought into my life. And I, even though they're not Christians, they're still my friends to this day. 
And so those friends have been friends of mine for well, four or five decades now. Mm, mm. And I just, I really praise God for putting friends in my life. And I think of stories in the Bible where friendships raised people to a higher level when they were going through dark days. I think of uh, David and Jonathan, for instance. Their friendship stood a test of time. It stood, they, it stood through trials and triumphs and tragedy. And I really believe that it was my friends that got me through. God used those people as instruments in working out his will for my life. Did your uncle ever face um, charges as a result of what took place? No. Um, Interestingly enough, the year I was due to get married in 1984, um, in April, nobody had been able to contact him for a couple of weeks. He hadn't been coming to work and he wasn't a loner and he was eccentric. He had never married. He didn't have his own family and the neighbours raised the alarm and we went round to the house and he was found dead. Mm. And they believe he probably committed suicide. Mm, mm. Yeah, no tragic story all round. Mm. When after you came to God, did you ever did you ever look back on on what happened and say, why didn't God just step in and stop it? Sure, um, I think that's a question that we may all ask ourselves. You know, if God's the overall ruler of everything, why didn't He? Um, I think as I've journeyed along in life. I've recognised that God allows things to take to to play out, and the reason they have to do that is so ultimately you can see the end from the beginning. Now, at the time, I couldn't see it, but now I'm here today, and I'm able to share a testimony mm. of how God's got me through that. Had I not have had it had stopped right there and nipped it in the bud at the beginning. I wouldn't be here talking probably now. It was actually something that was a curse, probably that has turned into a blessing for me because from a young age, I've been able to recognise that there's a God and a God that can save. Mm, absolutely, yeah, yeah. How was it then that you moved from being um, a young girl who has memorised the books of the Bible and knows about the existence of God to actually knowing God yourself personally? Okay, yes. Um, I actually met God, I was probably about 1920 when I actually met, um, who was to then become my husband. I met him in a, in a nightclub at Benito's in North Sydney and he used to be a Seventh-day Adventist and it was really through meeting him and I won't go into the story but we ended up getting together and he came out of the world and took me to a seminar at the um, Sydney Opera House, which was run by um, John Carter, Pastor John Carter. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. That was a few years ago. I, that was, um, <laughs> I remember that. when I, I would have been a kid at the time, I think. Yes, you would have been. But, um, yeah, amazing. And I, I, I still bump into people all the time who gave their lives to Jesus Christ as a result of that program. So praise God. Absolutely. Um, when he took to you to that program, had he already come back to God or was this part of his journey also? I believe it was his, a part of his journey also. I believe we were both in the world and it was heading nowhere. You know, there was alcohol. There was just it, there was just things that we were doing that were totally unchristlike, like and, 
and and bringing no happiness anyway. There's always an emptiness. There's so many things in the world that people are trying to fill that void, whether it's alcohol or drugs or hanging out till all hours of the night, just seeking something to fill that that space. That God-shaped hole that is, lived, that is in every person's heart. Yeah, sure. Mm. So, yeah, I... I think because of what I'd been through as a child, there was a huge void, a huge vacuum that needed filling, and it needed to be filled with pure love. And only Christ has that, Mm. that agape love that we know that is in 1 Corinthians. How did you respond when, you know, you've got together with, um, with, with your boyfriend at the time, he's totally in the world, but he has a Christian background. How did you respond to his Christian background? It was like, for you, was it like, please tell me all about this, or was it something that for both of you was, you know, uh, that's sort of not part of where we're at? Yeah, I found some of the um, challenges was the doctrinal differences, um, probably the biggest one was the Sabbath um, because I did believe Sunday was Sabbath. So for somebody to tell me that... Sun- so you had fairly solid beliefs then considering you'd spent very little time in church. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. But, I mean, I sort of saw the Queen of England as the head of our church or the head of the church that my mother went to and associated with. And, of course, she's such a... Um, stoic type figure in the world and, and a lovely person absolutely how could she be wrong and she's got corgis as pets she has to be great because <laughs> i had corgis too at that time <laughs> this is a um, this is an interesting theological argument <laughs> the queen has corgis i have corgis therefore the queen must be right <laughs> now we have uh, a tremendous amount of respect for queen elizabeth and we all do. of the good that she has done mm. in our world and the encouragement that she's given to so many people um, but okay, so how did you how did you deal with those theological differences you know, on the issue of the Sabbath? Was it something that uh, was never resolved in your mind until you met, say, for instance, John Carter, or or did you have some long discussions that went late into the night on this subject? Uh, very long discussions and late into the night. By the way, if I can just say, my name is Elizabeth, and I still love Queen Elizabeth to this day. Absolutely, we may se- we all do. We, uh, you know, she's a beautiful lady who's gone through so much. So. Yeah, I I think definitely um, long discussions into the night happened. um, But, you know, if the Bible reveals something to you and you're convicted, if you don't go forward, you're always going to be 10 steps back in your Christian experience. And I found that when I didn't accept things that were clear and plain in the Word of God, Okay, so you've, you've come from a, a, a childhood of abuse, a young person living the party lifestyle. You've given your life to God. How much has it changed your life, giving your life to God? Um, absolutely, it's changed my life. It's given me hope, hope for the future, hope for today, and hope for my family and friends and and the world on la- at large, you know, I've travelled the world quite extensively sharing the gospel. And to me, there's nothing better that you can do than to minister for Christ. Because, you know, even if we only live the 70 years, three, three score and ten that we're, we've, we're told we can live in the Bible, what do you do after that? 
like that's really such a short time. You think of how time flies. I mean, I can't believe where the years of my life have gone. <laughs> We're all in that boat together, Liz. We're all in that boat together. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I better hurry up and get a few things more, done, more things done in my life before it's <laughs> over and done with. Yeah, yep. And uh, okay, so so moving on from you know, as a young person, you've given your life to Jesus Christ. That's that's transformed and changed your life. Um, and we got in contact with you at uh, a Rise for Life. So um, you're attending a Rise for Life, which of course is a uh, a discipleship outreach training program. What has God been able to do with you in your life? You know, in more recent times. Okay, well, I did Arise for Life mainly because my daughter encouraged me to do it. She told me about the program and I'd actually had some people stay at my home, some um, young ladies that had done it a couple of years ago and I saw the impact it had on their lives and how joyful they'd come home and they'd be sharing things with me and, and I saw their tears as well as their, you know, their joyful moments and when I decided to do it earlier on this year, I I went there with the attitude, well, you know, I'll just see how it goes. But I got such a blessing. And I think the biggest blessing I got was to see so many young people were were in love with the Lord. Mm-hmm. I, I just, it just warmed my heart. And yeah, so I went out and did some door-to-door work. And that was, the door-to-door work was just fantastic because... That's raw and it's real. Yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic. Praise God. And uh, enjoying Big Camp? We're up here at Big Camp at the moment where we're recording this interview. Look, I am loving it because my grandkids came to join me yesterday. (laughs) They live at Coffs Harbour. Nice. (laughs) And um, just to be able to share God with them. And we had worship last night. I went to the Better Books and Foods or is it ABC? I'm not sure what it's called up here. Better Books and Foods. Okay, Better Books and Foods. I went there and I bought them a Bible each and they're beautifully illustrated and we've been able to have worship together last night and this morning and just sing some songs and to me that's that's where it's at to be able to share first with your family and then outside the, the front door is that's where it's at for me yeah fantastic Liz thank you so much for joining us here on Faith FM that was uh, Liz Branster sharing her story right now we're going to move on right after this song we'll have the 8 o'clock news followed by Encounter with God you're listening to Faith FM
listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. What comes to mind when you think of studying nursing? Practical experience? A rewarding career? Great employment prospects? When you think of nursing, think of Avondale College of Higher Education. 92.7% of our nursing graduates were employed within four months of completing their degree, with credible experience and with friends for life. To apply now, visit avondale.edu.au. It's higher education, designed for life. This little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine This little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine This little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine Let it shine 